This podcast is brought to you by ChasingRoos.com, the online store for international rugby league fans. fans this is Mike Meehill Wood hosting again we're returning to International Rugby League and Women's Origin which means we need a panel we are with the reigning winner of 2022's Canberra's Most Mortified Woman Award it's Mary Constantopoulos that's actually the perfect introduction it's true it's true recent listeners will remember there was a certain person in Mary's life who decided he was going to make a fill of himself can you explain for those who didn't listen last week Ah, uh, yeah, so my partner loves the Blues so much, and in particular the Blues women, that he decided to go to Women's State of Origin, painted blue, wearing a singlet, shorts, socks, scarf, beanie. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny, I'm not going to lie. And I'm, He did seem to be wearing mittens at the end of it, which I thought was cheating, and therefore he has to do it again. <laughs> well, he was always going to wear the gloves, so it was always gloves, socks, beanie scarf because his view is if you protect the extremities then you can stay warm okay well we'll not talk about his other extremities <laughs> <laughs> i'll leave that one between you and jimmy <laughs> no problem good segue good segue and a man who has proudly democratized the golden boot voting system it's michael carvone mate welcome and oh thank you should i say for the welcome and uh yeah democratize the golden boot can't wait to share with you who my vote went for went with this week as well. I'm uh, definitely going to share that publicly because I want it, I think it should be out in the public at this point. So, mate, great to be here again, Mike. And what a weekend we had. We did, and you know I get a vote as well, and I'm going to go for whoever I think has the funniest name. So there you go. <laughs> love um, it. Love it. Watson, Boas, Wellington, Albert didn't even play. Could get a shout. Um, Star Growth, Amiens. <laughs> Yeah, you've got some really good names, actually, now I think about it. Okay, great. Women's Origin was great. Mary, take it away. You were there. Um, I, I'm just going to, firstly, we've got to go for, like, the experience. What was it like? You know, why did you bring a man dressed in his underpants? All these questions. <laughs> so, Mike, I am fully qualified to talk about the experience. I do have to re-watch the game because, as we all know, sometimes when you go to a game, it's a little bit tricky to see. I have to say, um, the atmosphere was really good. A record was broken for the amount of people that were in attendance. So it was just over 11,500, which was great. The crowd really, really got into it. And I thought it was, well, what I saw of it was an exceptional game. But I particularly wanted to call out the players. Um, Not all of them, but I would say most players stayed around afterwards to sign autographs. Um, mingle with fans and that sort of thing. So there were players there, I would say, 40 minutes to an hour afterward, still signing. Even Queensland players that had obviously suffered a, a difficult loss, they were still there. And there were just kids going absolutely crazy, screaming for Jess Surges and Kezi Apps, which was awesome, and asking them for their boots and their shoes and their scrunchies. And in my head, I'm thinking, these poor women aren't paid like full-time professional <laughs> athletes. Let them have their damn scrunchies. 
Do you know, I, this is something I've noticed, right? There is a really elite scrunchy game going on in the NRLW in general, well, Women's Republic in general, with the coloured ribbons in the hair and stuff like that. And I was very disappointed in Jerome Luai, who wore, went for the ponytail in Men's Origin on Sunday, that he didn't get with that programme. Somebody, it... somebody who knows Jerome Luai has to tell him that. What I would say is shout out to my friends at Scrunchy Code that have done an amazing job at making sure that female athletes are well equipped when it comes to scrunchies. And they're really good quality. I've got several of them, and they do a great job of keeping hair out of the eye. Should get them to sponsor the show. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be somewhat lost on me, I have to say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I think that was good. I I noticed that there was one slightly overgrown young girl who was having a very close-up moment with Kezia. Uh, Me, yes. I will never, ever, ever grow tired of doing things like that. these athletes are absolutely incredible. If I think about where Kezi Apps has come from, driving all the way from Bega to Helensburg to play rugby league, to now see her captaining New South Wales and like everyone wanting a photo and a moment with her was uh, amazing. But I have to say, uh, there's one more photo to come, which will probably be released by the time this pod goes up of myself and Rachel Pearson. That was really exciting. But the person that I was most excited to meet was, uh, well, not meet, but see, was Kira Dib. We'll talk about her when we get into the game analysis. But this is a woman that has been out of rep football for about three years. Only got a contract with the Newcastle Knights and the NRLW at the last minute. Played really well and has been playing really well for the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership for the Bears. And I thought had an incredible state of origin game. I was just so proud of her. Well, I have to say, firstly, on Kezia Apps, right? I don't think I've told you, but I'll show you now my embarrassing Kezi Apps moment. And it wasn't seeing her punting crypto at Magic Land, which she was doing. I assume getting paid well for her time. But at a Harvey Norman women's premiership game, I was clambering to see uh, Joanna Lester of TNU Commons fame. More on her later. And whilst the West Tigers women were playing, again, I'm going to foreshadow some under-19s women's origin chat, but so I was like one leg either side of a barrier, and I went, oh, that's Kezi Apps, about two yards away from Kezi Apps. And Je- I didn't even realize, Jess Sergis was sat next to her, who you, I would say is probably more famous because she does a lot of advertising. Didn't even see it. I was like, that's Kezi Apps. And she looked at me mortified because she was surrounded by her teammates. I was like, uh, yeah. Uh, I am Kezi Apps. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly me. Because um, I... I literally, I've been working, right? And I didn't know, I thought she was playing in the game. And then she was just like, literally, I was like about to climb into the seat next to her. Sorry, Martin. Anyway, um, you have touched there with Kira Dave, who was excellent. I mean, I could open the floor to talk about women's origin, but my starting point is Caitlin Johnson, who I thought was unbelievable. And I have to say, was one a player I had seen before, but I'd never seen her play that well before. So the floor is yours, Mary and Cards, to talk about who you loved in that game. And I, I'm going to throw in that Caitlin Johnson was absolutely great. Ooh, who to pick? Okay, I'm going to pick two players that are somewhat related. I'm going to pick Emma Tonegato and Ivania Polite, who I thought both had tremendous impact and showed tremendous class through the fixture. Uh, also, shout out to Emma for her um, halftime interview with Channel 9. I hate those interviews because I don't think they ever say anything. So for anyone that's offended by bad language, if you ask a woman who's just played 40 minutes of the most intense rugby league of her life how she's feeling, uh, don't be surprised if you get a curse word. 
but also Ivania Polite scoring that try in the second half. I feel like she almost stripped her own player to score the try. But I she did, she of, did. Yeah, she did, right? But I thought both it was of it was remarked upon. It was remarked upon that she stripped her own player. <laughs> yeah, on the commentary on, I think I watched it on on Fox. But the commentary did def- Yeah, I w- did watch it on Fox because I didn't see that halftime interview. Um, obviously that went out on nine and they said something about it being like a rugby union move blah, blah, blah. and obviously I don't watch enough rugby union to know if that's something I guess that's something you're allowed to do in rugby union. but they did say yeah she basically nicked it off her own player and then snuck around the back and I was like is that I guess that is allowed <laughs> I mean the try was awarded so yeah it was, it was just something you never seen before and it was like super good game smarts to just think go on get around and do it put it down no, I thought both those women had tremendous impact in their first ever State of Origin game. And interestingly, Mike, the woman you mentioned, Caitlin Johnson, also having her Origin debut. So we saw some great debuts, I thought, on Friday night. Carlos, what do you think? Mate, I, I can't disagree with Tonagato. Absolutely loved her. And, and, you know, we do know she's got the union background, but the interview at the end of the game, I don't know if you saw this, Mary, uh, from the from from the ground, but from home, she dropped a few f bombs in her interview. She's certainly a rugby league player now, if, and that proves it. <laughs> so Tonegado smashing it and and um, continuing New South Wales long trend of Italian fullbacks, which is fantastic. I I really like the look of um, Isabel Kelly. I think she was probably one of the best on ground. She made a lot of meters, very explosive, and had some great great runs. So I really enjoyed watching her play. What you know, I'm maybe... sorry, Mike, can I just jump in quickly? What yeah, I'm go, go, go. about Isabel Kelly is that MC, I, I don't know what to call you two, we've got too <laughs> many Michaels here, um, is that she is a player that has continued to really go from strength to strength, and she's someone that's been around the game for a long time, and I've just loved her evolution. I just think she keeps getting better and better. It's a name that we hear all the time around NRLW, but it's the first time for me that she really stood out head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, I haven't watched all of her her games, but this one here was just like I was really impressed. It's a good testament to social media, right? That so I followed her on Instagram for years because I remember her playing very well in the North Sydney Oval Women's Origin years ago, and you know I was just like, "Who's this girl? She's amazing." But I think yeah, she really stood out, and actually as the game went on, she got better yeah. in a way that she. I have to say, I'm very smug about this because I wrote a preview for the Raw, and I basically said that the halves and spine for Queensland will be better, but the or more experienced certainly, and the forwards and centres for New South Wales would win them the game, which is basically what happened. So I felt very smug about that. Genius. But, um, well, you know, uh, <laughs> but but yes, I wish I'd back that. Didn't back it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought she was unbelievable. I also thought, I mean, it's weird with, with Kelly, Sergis, and Millie Boyle. They're like so good all the time. I don't even notice anymore. Like Millie Boyle was also unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I just mm-hmm. thought, I think like if that had been her first game, we'd be like, who's this woman? But because she does it in every single game you ever see her play, it's like, well, there she goes again being brilliant. Which led me to think, right? She had Caitlin Johnson, I have to say, I had never particularly stood out for me before. Although I'm told she was very good in, in, in the Indigenous All-Stars game, which I was on holiday in the middle of nowhere for and therefore missed. But um, new, she's from Newcastle. Millie Boyle just signed for Newcastle. Kira Dibb is already at Newcastle. They're going to be amazing next year. Having been, I think, the worst team in this year's NRLW, could they be the, one of the better ones next year? There are a couple more players going there. From memory, Tamika Upton is also heading to Newcastle. They have built 
quite a strong women's team for this coming year and are going to be fierce. For sure. I thought they would struggle through. They had a lot of um, Warriors players who I thought the Warriors got back in. <laughs> yeah, they would not have. But then that looks like an um, amazing recruitment drive. And they were the one game I saw them play in person, they were also very good and got beat by a good Roosters team who obviously won the comp. Um, you have touched on my next question there because somebody said this to me on Saturday, and I want to put it to you, Mary, because you're the expert. Tamika Upton, right? She was all right. I didn't think she was bad in any way on Friday. You look at her compared to uh, Bovetti Welsh, I know Big T's favourite player, compared to Pelite, who obviously played in the centres and Upton was a fullback. Of the NRLW fullbacks, even you could throw Romy Tytesel in there as well, she she now looks like she's sort of too small almost. She, I thought compared to Tonegato, she Tamika Upton looked like she had regressed and Tonegato was way better. And I wonder if that's just... I can't actually. I wish I could credit the person who gave me that theory because it's not my theory. But when they said it, I was like, "Yes, that's true." It's really tricky, isn't it? Uh, one of the reasons that Tamika Upton has said she's going to Newcastle is to develop her game and to play with new women. She's obviously been at the Broncos for a long time, so I'm wondering if she's looking for a new challenge. I won't get too much into this now because I think it's going to be a huge topic of conversation over the next six months. I don't know how you pick a Jillaroo's team. This is the trick. They could probably, and I <clears throat> I made a comment about this on Twitter, and it, it went down okay, but the, the Gillaroos could probably pick two teams and they'd face in the grand final. Um, it is, they are so strong, and it's, it's a credit to the NRLW, the State of Origin contest, but we'll, we'll touch on the, the Ferns-Tonga game, obviously, probably next, mm. Mike. But I, I just felt that this, these girls, these Origin ladies were far and away ahead of those Kiwi and Tongan women. And no disrespect, they were just, it was just a, a class above. And I can't see any nation coming close to the Jillaroos at the World Cup. Sorry to say to the other nations. I think also, Carbs, the thing is, I watched the Ferns-Tonga game. And for me, there are a couple of standouts for New Zealand. Mm -hmm. But I think the key difference is that I feel that Australia has standouts everywhere. And it may get to the point where players are picked out of position just to have them there. It's really funny. A few years ago, we all said as International Rugby League fans that the women's game, you know, the other nations had a chance to really um, catch up to to the Gillaroos or be as strong as the Gillaroos very early. Um, but the Gillaroos, like the, and again, through the NRLW, they've gone from strength to strength. Um, there is, I, I just think the gap is wide. I'm not sure if everyone realises, but I think they will come World Cup time. It's going to be astonishing, the, the damage that they're going to be able to do. And I suppose that's the challenge for me, Carbs, going forward. Sorry, Mike, I'm going to let you talk in a second. <laughs> yeah. Is that if we look... If we look at what's happened in women's cricket, the Australian women's cricket team were the first team to become full-time professional, and they are miles ahead of every mm. other country, and there are several countries who still aren't there yet. The longer that the Gillaroos and the NRLW are the only, you know, semi-professional competition, the, the bigger that that gap is going to grow, and it makes it a lot harder for other countries to catch up. Yeah, Mike, can I throw to you now? <laughs> Who is hosting this? No, Mary, you literally just said exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I, so I was discussing this with Nick Canton at the ABC on, uh, at the Pacific Test, who was at Women's Origin. 
And that's exactly what we were talking about, is that there was a time where 2017, England won the Women's Cricket One Day World Cup, beating India in the final. And I can't remember who beat who in the I think India beat Australia in the semi-final. Either way. And then Australia won 50 games in a row. And it got mm-hmm. to the point in the Women's World Cup of earlier this year where England were really, really, really good and still lost pretty comfortably mm-hmm. to Australia because Australia had got so much better. And I wonder, there's two things that sort of came to mind, one of which is obviously the professionalism levels are much higher, even for a small amount of the year, being that, that being the only thing that you do, like the fitness, the weight straining, stuff like that, like it's, it sticks with you, which obviously is going to make you just physically way more difficult to deal with. For two, I think as well, the, the COVID lack of competition, like you can get a better internal competition within Australia, whereas the mm. Kiwi girls are playing within New Zealand. The English girls are playing, you know, the best they can do is play against France, and France can play against them. But do you know what I mean? So the the iron sharpening iron aspect of it is going to be so much better for the Australian women just because of the standard of competition within Australia. And I think England, if, you know, if England played Australia three times a year, they would get a lot better quicker. Yeah. But Australia can do that with State of Origin, with, with the NRLW, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And it is going to be, I just hope that it's, I mean, I hope that women's rugby league goes from strength to strength in Australia as well, but not not at the speed that it completely destroys everybody else. Yeah. To the point where Australia could field ten teams that would be, you know, be England or, or New Zealand. It's pretty scary. Um, a little segue to the next game, Mike. I'm not again who's hosting this, but Mary, early on in that Origin chat, you mentioned that it was a record crowd, so it was about eleven thousand. And can you clarify? Was that a record for? origin a women's origin or for a women's game in general what was that a record for my understanding it was a record for women's origin but i assume it also would be a record for an rlw attendance yeah because the reason i mention it as a segue is kiwi ferns matema uh mike talking about records like i think they had about eighteen thousand present during that game which is you know I think the biggest attendance for a women's game, full stop, uh, which was incredible oh, to have both cab, of those same weekend. Cabs, cabs. No? Cabs, 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 cabs. I knew you were going to correct me. The biggest attendance, to my knowledge, for a women's game ever was the first ever women's game in 1921. Oh, <laughs> and you could have read that in an article written by both me and Mary Kay. Oh, no. Together, the Nelly Doherty Medal for the player of the match in women's state of origin is named after the woman who was i think she was the captain of metropolitan blues i think the team was called and yeah they they the, the attendance they claimed at that game was 20 to thirty thousand. so until i see twenty thousand, i'm holding that wow. number one and I, I was gonna tweet new zealand rugby league when they did but i did say for an international game i think yeah was there um i would also think that the world cup final of 2017 it's funny that australia so australia does this way because they did it in um Pacific test as well. If there's two games back to back, they'll give you an attendance for the first game and then the second one, and yeah. there'll be different numbers. Yeah. So there was like 500 difference between one and two. In the yeah. Pacific test. That's about 500 Fijians walked in, so yeah. I'm not bothered about some more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if they did that for the World, Women's World Cup final 2017, which would have been on the same day. Similarly, I don't know what the crack was for games when the NRLW Grand Final has been on the same day as the men's grand final or the new south wales cup the queensland cup i don't know but yeah it was definitely a record for women's origin it was definitely a record for uh women's international rugby league to my knowledge 
haven't seen the World Cup 20, final 2017. But yeah, I have thought this quite a lot more than a normal person should over the last few days. <laughs> I had one more Women's Origin question for uh, you. Sorry, mate. For Mary. Yes. What are the Puma goggles about? Do you know what, Mike? I asked exactly the same question. Jimmy looked it up for me. I think it's got to do with trying to keep champagne out of the eyes, but I'm not really sure like why the whole team was wearing the Puma goggles and why when they went out clubbing later, they still had them on. But I love Yeah, it. it was very funny. Don't get me wrong, it made me laugh. But um, I've also put end of an era for Queensland. That was in my notes. And I just wonder, I don't want to count off the Queenslanders, but I'm not sure of the age profile of their team, but a lot of their players have played a lot of football. And then I thought, well, actually, Isabel Kelly has played every women's yeah. state of origin since it became state of origin. She's 25. You can't do an 26. average age. You can't do an average age because Steph Hancock will bring it right up for the Queenslanders. Uh, it's funny. I saw Chelsea Lenarduzzi after the game and, you know, condolences, and she said it's becoming a bit of a theme this year. We saw it with the Brisbane Broncos not winning the NRLW Premiership and with Queensland losing this state of origin. But I suppose with this state of origin, it was so close, Mike, and we can talk about whether it should be a two-game series, three-game series, whatever, but I thought this one was very, very competitive. Yeah, and actually, I realised that we did we did skip over women's under-19s origin, which was on Thursday night, and New South Wales also won, which... Can I give you my this, the timeline of my evening? Because I thought it was quite funny. You may. I, so I thought I would have to cover those two games. And because, you know, if AAP was covering it, then I was going to cover it, right? And then I text my, my colleague from the AAP who said, because that there were no NRL M players in the, or well, there was one, Trey Mooney, in the men's game, that they weren't going to bother sending anybody down. So I said, oh, great. That means essentially that I'm not going to bother sitting in for what's under 19 men's origin. However, this was halfway through the women's one. So I already watched the first half of the women's one, which is very good. Lasana Lutu, who I saw a Harvey Norman, the same game that I saw Keziat, she played for West Tigers. That was very, very good. Um, looking excellent in the sixth jump for New South Wales. Anyway, so at half time, me and my partner Jane were like, well, let's go out to dinner the Stanmore Cypress Club, your people, Nari. Mm -hmm. um, if you'd like to tell them to open on Thursday evenings, that'd be nice. I'm sure you've got that fun. Because <laughs> they weren't open, which meant that we were sat in the pub when Jada Taylor scored that incredible, incredible try. And as she scored it, I was sort of watching the football out of one side whilst my partner was talking. And then obviously just completely ignored what she was saying and then she sort of looked at me like that was quite an important point and I was like I'm sorry I completely played <laughs> that because that was the most amazing try I've ever seen it was an amazing try wasn't it and everyone is talking about Jada and it was amazing but I also want to give a big shout out to Andy Robinson who played for the New South Wales Blues she also plays for the Sharks in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership Three tries. Yep, she was brilliant. And um, Jada, is it Jada Ferguson? For yes. Too the many Queensland Jadas. Issues? I know. Do you know, I did notice that because I was at a game, I can't remember who it was, it was like Bulldogs 20s or something we were playing before a Bulldogs game and they had like three or four Baileys. And I was like, was everybody born in what year would it be, 2003? Just called Jada or Bailey in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um Yes, I did not see, as I was traveling to the Pacific, I did not see Kiwi Friends of Tonga. I've only seen the highlights. Um, 
I, well, actually, that's not true. I saw the last 10 minutes. But I was, um, yeah, please tell me about it. Carb, you watched it? <laughs> I only saw the highlights as well, Mike. Mary, have you watched it? Mary, this one? you watched it? <laughs> I did watch it. I can tell you who my Golden Boot nominations went to, if you like. Go. Three points, Georgia Hale. Two points, Kararaina Wirako. One point, your fave, Mike, Autumn Rain Stevens Daly. Oh, what a name. What a name. It sounds like two, two tracks on an album back to back. Uh, I have a question for you two, and I want this question to come across as respectfully as possible. Carbs, maybe I'll ask you. Yeah. The crowd for this game was absolutely incredible, and despite it being a Kiwi Ferns game, it was basically a sea of red and white. What makes our Tongan friends so passionate about rugby league? If if we knew the answer to that question, we'd bottle it up and give it to every other nation as well. <laughs> I think, that, look, there's a couple of things here to unpack. So firstly, the red stands out more than the black in a crowd at night. So I'm not saying there, was, there wasn't a lot of Tongan fans. There was definitely a majority of Tongan fans. But I think on this occasion, we've certainly seen more Tongan New Zealand clashes where there's been more red than there was on this occasion. So, but look, without doubt, more more Tongan fans than Kiwi fans. But there's just something about, and and I guess Mary, you and I can relate to this a little bit with our our Greek and Italian heritage, and maybe you too as well, Mike, with your Irish heritage. But there's something about it doesn't matter with some countries anyway. It doesn't matter where you're born. There's something about that that history, that family, that culture that we really hold on to and celebrate. I know my Italian family do it. Mary, your Greek family would do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a few European nations that, that are like this. And it's with, with the island nations, it's exactly the same. So I, I really enjoyed seeing in the crowd um, the families or, or, or groups of people that were like wearing a Tongan jersey and holding a Kiwi flag. You know, it's it's a real, it's just a real example of what what I guess Auckland looks like at the moment. You know, you've got very proud Islanders who are perhaps born in New Zealand. Um, it's it's crazy, but there's definitely some passion there. It probably started, you know, with Tomalolo and, and Fafita, you know, those years ago where when you think about it, what they achieved and what Tonga in the men's have been able to achieve by, by knocking off the three biggest nations in, in the rugby league world, no other Tongan sporting, so, you know, no Tongan organisation has been able to do anything like that before. So they're incredibly proud and um, I hope it goes on forever. This pride, this passion, I hope it continues. And I hope that answered your question. I don't know if I did, but it's as close as I'm going to get. I think the most beautiful thing about that crowd is that the reality is that Tonga were pretty comprehensively beaten. Mm. And it comes as no surprise, given that the Kiwi Ferns are an established team they have more players in their team that have international experience and NRLW experience. But to watch the Tongan crowd absolutely erupt when Tonga scored their first try was just, it was magic. It really was. If, if you didn't know Do the you score know, I... and you just flicked it on, that try happened and you heard the crowd, you'd think Tonga had just won, mm-hmm. like sealed the game. But they were actually down, you know, 50 to, 50 to 12 at the end. And the, you're right, for a nation to, to lose like that, but, but celebrate, just celebrate 
you know, being there and, and that being the success. It's quite incredible. Do you know, so two things there. Firstly, I think the, I have to remind you that the same thing did happen as Connor with New Zealand. The same thing happened. My instant thought was the same as yours, Cards, in terms of, you know, if, if, um, the, the, the feeling of people in diaspora towards their, I don't want to say their home nation because it's home, but you know, their ancestral nation yeah. is so almost stronger than the, the feeling of the people who actually live where they are. You know, the Kiwis get to watch New Zealand play cricket, football, blah, 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 all these different sports, whereas the Tongans only get to see rugby league. Exactly. So I think more of them would show up. And I, I, you know, my first thought when you said it was when Ireland played in the 94 World Cup, and I have to say, this is when we beat Italy 1-0, not to rub it in. Yeah. But um, the whole crowd, it was in New York, and the whole crowd was Irish people. Like, 80% of the crowd was Irish people, because how often does Ireland play soccer in America? Never. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I'm sure there was lots of Italians who felt the same way, but maybe were more assimilated or less recent immigrants or something, I don't know. But that's immediately why I thought, was like, if Ireland played, if Ireland wanted to get a real home crowd, they wouldn't play it in Dublin, they'd play it in Boston. Or like, you know, or, yeah, well. or in New York, because that's where the the big numbers of people who are actually like genuinely like we never get to see this would be. Um, but yeah, I think the with one of the things that struck out to me. So my mate actually went to this game. His partner is is from New Zealand, so it's the first time they'd ever been back. Oh, they've been back since they got married, and he um and he went to the game and he was just like he was just complete fluke it was on that weekend I said you've got to go you've got to go and he got a ticket obviously they were supporting the Kiwis but what he was saying in terms of the whole not just the stadium but the streets around it and all the houses that people done up you know he, he's an AFL guy and he was like it's AFL grand final day when people decorate their entire houses so that was the vibe that was going on and I think um, Jason Oliver who's, who writes a lot he's lived in New Zealand yeah. he said the same thing about he never heard a team have a try scored by so much, cheered so much by the crowd, and they were losing by 30 points. Incredible. Which was Tonga again. And um, was it China Palata who scored the try from the Broncos? Or Titans or Broncos? Broncos, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually, so I saw that tweet as the game, I turned the game on when I got to the stadium, and I thought, I've got, I've got to rewind back through the feed to find this try. And it was, but I couldn't believe the noise that was coming. And it was like, the 30 points down. Crazy, crazy. And I, I, you love to see it, you know, you love to see it. And yeah, on the men's game, obviously Kiwi friends were very, very good. Tonga haven't played in a while. I'd love to see them play against Samoa if they could get the, mm. obviously there's a lot of players who are eligible for both. If they could play that game in the women, it would be unbelievable as well because you would have a, I think that would be a more, obviously a much closer match and I have no idea who would win and there's lots of players who are eligible in NRLW for, for both. Um, in the men's game, so... Obviously, I, so I watched this game. I mean, obviously, everybody knew it was back when you get the the Sippy Tower against the Haka and and all that sort of stuff, which is just what you live for with these games, right? Hundred um, percent. As passionate as ever, and I, I just will never get sick of this stuff. Um, but I will say, and we'll get to it towards the end. Spoiler alert! But out of all the Hakas, war cries, dances, celebrations, my favourite believe it or not, is the Fijian prayer. There's just, Mm -hmm. there's something about it. I don't know what it is. It's nowhere near as fierce, obviously, as any of the others, but it's just so beautiful. And I, I, you know, I will admit as a grown man, I'll shed a tear each time. 
Well, I was that... going to ask you for your favourite moment at the end. That was because I got a good one on that. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it gets it, it. It just gets to me in a way, you know. I don't. I know, I'm not in any way Pacific Islander. No. But every time, I'm just like it. Just it suddenly does something to me, and I don't know whether it's because you know it makes me believe. You know, my favourite thing in the entire world is rugby league, and it makes me think. The only rugby league does this, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Even when you watch the rugby union, it's, it's yeah, it doesn't. It's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's something about it. It's beautiful. It's kind. It's heartwarming. It's passionate. Um, it's it's just beautiful, you know. A thousand percent. But back to the Harker and the Sippy Tail. Um, the Kiwi, <laughs> the Kiwis may have won the match, but I think the Tongans won the Harkers. Mm. So I had, I had, I have a theory about this. Right, I liked it. We we were joking about it in the media box like if you you know because in the particular Sippy Tower when you have somebody in the middle, and then everybody on the outside goes down and the person in the middle stands up. We were thinking if we should have done a sweepstake on who the person in the middle would be, <laughs> yeah. because I think Peter Hiku was leading the haka for the Kiwis, which used to be fav- famously was um, Isaac Luke's role for many years. Yeah, he was sort of. Uh, you know, cultural captain. I don't know what you would call it. I'm sure there's a term in, in Maori for it. Um, I don't think Saliva Havili would have come high up my list of people I thought was going to be the guy in the middle. You know, when it's, um, you know, Jason Tomalolo, who's obviously was the first of the great way to change up. Um, I was thinking of Latrell Mitchell doing it in the Indigenous All-Stars yeah. game as well. And he thought, yeah, he's like a culture leader. I can see why, why it would be him. But Saliva Havili was not the man. Also, because he's very short, it kind of like Jason Tamalolo kneeling down is still seems to be taller than Saliva <laughs> standing up. Yeah, it was definitely unexpected. But look, it looked right to me in the photos afterwards. I thought, oh, you know what, Havili, they all look so menacing. The the scariest, the one that I really wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley was Moses Suli. When his hair is out, I'm like, man, just please do not run at me. Um, he was ferocious, but. Uh, you loved it. I just I loved every second. And on the field, obviously, we, we're gonna we can talk about the Kiwis in a second. But I think um, there's a common theme in this round, right? Yep, I know what Which you're gonna is, say. What am I gonna say? Teams with good halfbacks, with good kicking games, and who can <laughs> control the game were victorious. Well, that is it. I was going to say, no, it's <laughs> yeah. players, players who are missing from the UK, but in this case... Yeah, oh, damn, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. But that's true because I think if you throw Tui Lola here into that team... Yeah, definitely. Is, ...is not an NRL player, but is, is a very good kicker. And look, I know you love um, Junior Amone, but he's, um, he's not a seven. Amone is yeah, very much a six. And I said that last week as well. He's not used to controlling a side. But you're right, you add Lollahia to this Tongan side and it's completely different. And there's a few other players to come through as well. Um, they probably had four or five players from the Super League that could have strengthened this side, I think. Yeah, I think there's the, the only other option. Actually, I've written for the Raw tomorrow. You can go read it. I did like an international power rankings of the, of the 10 teams at the World Cup we did actually play in the last two weeks. Yep. So, sorry, Australia, Greece, Ireland and Jamaica <laughs> and Scotland and someone else. Someone else? Oh, was it? Obviously, Italy. No, Italy weren't in the top ten. Italy, yeah, yeah, no, Italy didn't yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, Italy didn't play. So there's, yeah. So what? And when I was writing about um about the Tonga side, you look at who you know, you look at who's available, and then I was like, well, you could they're going to play lower here, there in the World Cup, I would think. Yeah. And then you've got Isaiah Katawa, who has never played a game of NRL. The sort of Jerome Luai from the last World Cup, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a bit of seven in Penrith's system, who we thought might play but didn't. 
and that's that's where they really fell down because you look at the field position battle and they just lost it because they couldn't kick as well. They, you know, they could make all the meters with the ball, but if you can't if you can't kick at the end of it, then it will just come back and back time again. A thousand percent. The Kiwis were just a level above, and and we talked about the spine last week, and they were even better than they thought were going to be. So my my all of my points for Golden Boot went to Joey Manu, and that was pretty much the you, you talked about the democracy. So each each week or each international round or week or game, I'll, I'll go to Twitter and ask you know ask the kangaroo chasers who should be given go- my Golden Boot points, and it was overwhelmingly. Joey Manu, he he was. It looked like he made, or I heard after the game, he made three hundred ninety-eight meters, uh, which is a is a record. On N- on the NRL app, it says he made four hundred and one. He cracked the four hundred. I don't know who to believe, but either way, it's fantastic. But he, Joey Manu, like he is every weekend, he's probably in the top three centers in the world. Uh, sorry, probably the top two centers in the world behind Olam in my books. But even at fullback, he's probably in the top three or four fullbacks in the world. He was phenomenal. Yeah, you've so you you have preempted a column I'm going to write. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but it's going to be about Joey Manu. Um, but yeah, so not to put my uh, stat on stats corner, um, the Fox Sports League uh, Sports Lab, which is what the Daily Telegraph etc. use. Fox, if it's on Fox, they use that, and they said 302 meters. The NRL said initially 398 and then bumped it up above 400, I guess, so they can write a story about it. But um, the previous record they had was Clint Gutherson against your Dragons. I think he was 368 in the NRL course. game. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess that's the one that they have on record, but who knows. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Different stats. Plot, I know, put it this way. When, he, when you're writing a headline, I'm going for the world record. So give him it. Give it Joey Marnie. Um Anybody else you want to talk about from that game? I thought, um, obviously, Jerome Hughes is great as well. Jerome Hughes was brilliant. Jerome Hughes was probably uh, third best on field for me. I had um, James Fisher-Harris as my number two. He was incredible, as always. Um, And, and, like, even Brandon Smith is unlucky to not make that 3-2-1. He was incredible. I mean, I could could just keep naming players here. Uh, the, The Kiwis were great. And um, this is a great, I guess, uh, preview to what we're going to see come World Cup time. I'm really excited. I've already, I've already classed them as the underdogs. Everyone has been talking about how good the kangaroos are going to be. England are at home. Everyone's excited about Tonga, and they're going to be Tonga come World Cup are going to be better than they were last weekend. But Kiwis, they're flying under the radar, and I think now. Um, it's it, they can't fly under the radar for much longer, especially after that performance. Yeah, I think people have sort of slept on James Fisher Harris because he doesn't play Origin essentially, and there hasn't mm. been any internationals. They forgot that he's from New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> he's like really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, the other thing I saw, last point on this, unless Mary, you want to talk about how great Dylan Brown is. Amaratani um, <laughs> Okore, who also played in that game from Paramount Real, um, was, I thought, um, very, I don't know, the state against state, mate against mate. First try for Tonga was Sione Katoa in one corner, immediately backed up by Ronaldo Mulitalo in the other corner because they were playing directly against each other because they're playing opposite wings for Canola, which I completely thought, I forgot would happen, but was very entertaining when it did happen. We need, we need like a, a catchy, um, a ca- catchy rhyme 
that's similar to state versus state, mate versus mate. I'll leave it to, to you guys as the journalists and the writers, but, um, yeah, we need something there. That, that's fantastic. Well, I think Mary should get a last word on the pass from Dylan Brown to Muzitalo for his try, which was Sensational. pretty bloody good. It was chef's kiss. It really, really <laughs> was. And, I mean, that was Dylan Brown's debut. I thought he did an exceptional job. There are a lot of questions about Maratha Niakore and his performance heading into the game. I also thought he did very well. New Zealand just looked a cut above, and I really can't wait for the World Cup. Bring it on. Well, bring it on. Tonga are going to get better. I I think the, the even sleeping even more under the radar than New Zealand is Samoa because yeah. they were pretty bloody good. And they... The thing with them, as we mentioned last week, is not only what a good team they can put out on Saturday, but what a good team they can put out when they get nine players back from origin, if they get all of them, it depends. Um, so do you want my, obviously, I was at the game on Saturday. Do you want my uh, on-the-ground interesting things that happened? Go for yes, it. Yes, please. <laughs> so uh, the first fan I saw was wearing a Mate Maatonga top on the train. The way he was going, long it was about an hour. Do they have a, in Do they have a tra- train from Sydney to Auckland? I don't know. Under the uh, well, he was going to Cabramana. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I saw. I met some lovely uh, PNG um, PNG fans on the train. They were very nice. I got to use my uh, Doctor David Lakisa, who does the Talanoa stuff for the NRL and lots of other people. Um, he told me how to say thank you in top pitching, so I, I said that to them when I took a picture of them. They were very impressed, and I felt very proud of myself. <laughs> I'm literally repeating, thank you, true, thank you, true, people. Um, yeah, there was a... Honestly, I turned up about... So I turned up, what, half past two or something like that? What About 20 minutes before the New Zealand-Tonga game started, because I, obviously, with a media pass, you can go in before the doors open, and there were so many people queuing outside. And I thought, this is going to be chaos. It's going to be absolute chaos. And it was, because by the time the game, they only gave 20 minutes between the doors opening and the first game starting. So all the Samoans are still filing in 20 minutes into the game. But why was it so about 20 and up? up? Um, before the game, I saw my personal highlight was uh, former Rochdale Hornets halfback and Hall FC coach, my two, obviously, my two teams back home, Richard Agar, who's on the coaching staff, who had managed to wear these, you know, they wear the Lava Lava um, strong skirt kind of kilt thing. Yeah. Um, Mr. Lava Lava, as I would have called him, obviously. <laughs> um, but he was wearing it with tracksuit bottoms underneath, which I thought was a remarkably <laughs> no, Northern English response. But yeah, well, I'll wear it. If you, ask, if you want me to wear it, I'll wear it. But I'm still wearing my tracks. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was very good. Um, I did have a, for the first time ever, and I'm sure you can chime in on this, the nine coverage was better than the first coverage because they actually pronounced names properly. Having done the, co- the course with uh, Dr. Lakisa um, that I was on in May, they he's done it, he's got a contract now with nine, and they've done it, and they had all of the pronunciation, um, which were perfect, which I was very impressed with. Well done, Channel 9, and the nine group, making sure that can everybody I, went and did that. Can I also make a comment just on that, Mike? Um some of the Pacifica names are challenging, and even after you've done the work, you can quite easily slip up. I think there are a lot of people out there that are just wanting to see commentators make an attempt. It's not always going to be perfect, but I think given their job is to commentate, 
I think we deserved better than some of the pronunciations we were hearing through some of the coverage. And and on that too, like it's great to see them making an attempt. Um, mm. I'd also like to see some more Islanders in commentary. I mean, it was Channel Nine. What Channel Nine did well was, I mean, say what you like about Sonny Bill's commentary, but he represents the people, and I think he added some great insights. Um, and having him there for the nine coverage was really nice. And I, I love, you know, I, I kind of wish we saw, um, I think in the, the women's test, they had uh, the Sky commentators, but then for the men's, for Tonga New Zealand, they switched over. I'd love to oh, see that. don't even start me on that. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you've got, like, let's, oh, uh, the people that are watching, they're watching these great players represent their people. I kind of want them to hear their own voices as well. Like, it's the same reason why, you know, we've got our Rugby League in America podcast boys. It was very important for me that I had guys with American accents on that show, you know, and and for the same reason, you know, you want to relate to the players, to the voices, to the to the scenes, and um, I, I think we could have done a bit better there this weekend. We Yeah. I mean, firstly, we didn't talk about in the Kiwis Tonga game, but I... So I... I watched that because I was in the video, but I have to watch it really on Fox because that's got the best stream. You can actually, yeah. you need to have the audio so that if somebody gets HIA, whatever, I don't know about it, you have to be able to just, you have to have it on in your ear. And so the fact that I knew that online, who have a rubbish streaming system, that they had the local Kiwi commentary and I'm sat listening to, um, actually my colleague, Matt Russell, who is very good. Yeah. I've seen him quite a lot of games. He's a nice man. Does his job from the sideline very well. Quite a good commentator but sat in Moor Park with Shane Flanagan when I knew there was a perfectly good one of two books who were actually in the stadium in Auckland. Yeah. Like, why am I not listening? I'm pronouncing the names correctly and blah, blah, blah. I can give you a flavor of the atmosphere. Like, why am I not listening to these guys? Why am I listening to two blokes sat in decent suburbs of Sydney who, you know, Shane Flanagan was just watching a game on the telly like I am. So I find that quite, yeah, that was quite annoying. It really um, is. What my other annoying point was, that they, they really made an effort, I think, on the commentary. I agree about the lack of representation. That was a big issue for me in the Indigenous round in the NRL as well, that they had very, I think I counted something like 13 people on the broadcast on the first night and one was Indigenous. <laughs> well done, everybody. Maybe this would be the round to go and get some <laughs> Indigenous presenters. And <laughs> um, Anyway, I thought, yeah, they could have had, you know, Benji Marshall was on the um, box coverage, which was obviously was the Maori man. But, you know, you could have got, it's not as if rugby league lacks for uh, particular islanders. Like yeah. you can get hundreds of them if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, I think it was also quite noticeable that on the Pacific test on Saturday they did they made an effort, but then when you watched it on nine at Origin, the Men's Origin on Sunday, it was as if it had never happened. And you went, I was just watching it, going, so how could Jackson Barlow be Barlow on on Saturday? So somebody does know that this is the case, <laughs> but then it's Junior Paolo on Sunday, and you'll be happy that we're talking about him at all. Like it's so, it's just so it's one step forward, two steps back. But we'll give them the one step forward for Saturday. Um, on the pitch, well, firstly, can we talk about Josh Schuster? He's uh, a very emotional man. He he is, and he he's your boy, mate. He played really well, I thought. You know, I think he had about three try assists, which you don't see a lot from a number eleven. Um, but he was, you know, put in a good kick for a try, put in some good passes, had some great runs, great tackles. Um, to say what you want about Josh, you know, he has his critics uh, week in, week out for Manly, but I thought um, he had a special game in the blue. 
He he certainly did, and he. I mean, obviously, that emotion in the anthem is something that you just can't. You know, this is why it matters. Like, and it's it's pretty glib to say it, and a lot of people have said it. But look, yeah. that's that's what it is. Um, on the field, I think, yeah, he's uh, he was from the from the first try, he was loving it, and he actually tr- the the try he scored. Oh, he set up for um, Taylor May. Was it in the corner? Yeah. Um, he had tried that exact same move two weeks before in the same corner of the same ground for Jason Saab and who had been given a forward pass. So nice to know he learned his lesson. <laughs> but I think the, yeah, I think Samoa first, like Isaac Tago and uh, Taylor May, that, that edge is probably the best edge in the NRL and was very, very good for, for Samoa. Um, and then on the other side, obviously, North Luma got four tries yeah. and I have to say Mart- I, I couldn't get the pronunciation of Marty Taupo, was it? Of the uh, but he was very good the Marty what is Marty Tapo and I need to go do my homework. <laughs> um I think you did the... well first. Yeah, good on you, Mike. Mike. I think that was good. Yeah, and and um I always think of him because he's my, one of my uh friends from Berlin, he didn't know anything about rugby league, was having a goal once and I remember sending him a video of Marty of Marty's deadlift. <laughs> it's like, would you mess with this bloke? Because <laughs> he can deadlift like 400 kilos or some ridiculous amount. It's like, oh, wow. Um, I thought, again, the Lola Here Award, but not for mi- notable by their absence, was um, Wakefield's Mason Lino, who I think will walk into that smaller team as a, just a perfect kicking seven and elevate them so much because that is, again, exactly what they missed, I thought. thought they had enough to get through against the Cook Islands, but that was something that was a little bit lacking was just trying to score on every play, especially in the second half. I mean, they that he will do that. They scored some good tries, though, man. I mean, Milford was great, um, I, I think, and and some of the tries were coast-to-coast. Coast. They were probably the, some of the more exciting tries of the night, so you've got to give it to, to them. Um, I think uh, Charlie stains out the back. Here's a little stat. So the, the Panthers supplied as many fullbacks in rep round as Italy did for State of Origin uh, in this rep round, so two and two. <laughs> sensational um but i i think it was good to see and look let no disrespect to the cook islands it was 42 to 12 but they showed a lot of passion a lot of pride i think it probably could have been a little bit closer if it wasn't for a couple of intercept tries and things like that and cook islands considering you know on paper samoa were far superior and and they showed that but i think the cookies you know they've got you know they've got some pride they're gonna they're gonna be you know they're going to do okay at the World Cup. I know they're not going to win too many games, but I think the pride will get them through. And let's not forget, this is one of two nations in the world where rugby league is the number one sport, and and it showed it showed on the night. I think for them, um, they loved it as well, despite the big loss. Similar to the Tongans, I suppose as well. Yeah, I I mean a word for the Cook Islands, right? Because I thought they were great in terms of. Not, I mean, obviously, on a playing talent level, they're a bit down on Samoa, quite a lot down on Samoa. Um, we actually, here's a good stat for you. My colleague, I can't claim ownership of it because it's my colleague from the AAP, Jasper Bruce's stat, but they had, I think, 252 games of NRL, um, plus another, I think, another 250s worth of Super League, which yeah. is literally just Andy Gowing and Tina uh, Tarona. But, and I think it was up against about. 1,200 NRL games across the, the Samoa team. So there's a that's a big gap in experience. Yeah. You look at guys like David David Mulally, who's good when they try. He's played six games in the NRL. Or um, you know Kyle Iroh has got none, though he's been very good for Newtown. 
Um, so there was there is there's young players there, and they've got a lot of players who could come back in. I mean, everybody from Valentine Holmes to, I think they I counted today. I think they had five players in Super League. Yep. Brad Tiger Rangi's one, and um, uh, Zayn Tavano, who was sent off at the weekend, please. Um, but he's cookie eligible, and yeah, so I think they'll get better as well. And yeah, they, they played will. Wales first game. Wales were pretty, you know, they're pretty weak on paper. Um, got beat pretty handily by France too, what a week and a bit ago. So I think they'll get a good start there. And um, yeah, I, I know. I just wanted to shout out the mask. Firstly, shout out. Paulie Deuto, who's the Bulldogs, one of the Bulldogs media men, who was the Cook Islands media man, who was doing a lot of pronunciation help for the media room. So thanks to him. But who also pointed out that Isan and um, Stephen Masters are not brothers. They're cousins, aren't which they? I just, yeah. They're cousins. Yeah. But apparently in the Cook Islands, you call, they're very close. You're close. You're calling me brother. So I thought this was a misconception. They're actually cousins. There but they go. set up a good try together as well. Yeah, Very they did really well. Can I just make one? Great. Can I make one big outlandish call that um, a lot of our listeners are going to hate? But I'm going to say it anyway. But come at me, I don't mind. But um, if Samoa can get, you know, a lot of their Origin players at the World Cup, I'm talking Luai's and Tos and and players like that. Um, look out, England, uh, and and don't be surprised if Samoa beat you in round one. Oh, that's all I'm going to say. Well, you you think that's you think that's a good idea now, right? But I I've spent a lot of time looking at the draw, and if England can get by Samoa, they'll get I think France and Greece are the other two teams. France you would expect them to win that, and then they go into the side of the draw that is not Australia, yeah. New Zealand. Uh, the, the the next basically team that you would expect them to not be massive favourites against would be one of the winner of. Samoa and Tonga, who would play in this quarterfinal in Warrington, which would be unbelievable. Uh, and then the, they would play, the winner of that would play England, the winner of England, and I think it would, I worked this out, it would be like PNG or somebody. Um, but yeah, so if, if England win that first game, they should make at least the semi-final, which would be against the winner of Tonga and Samoa. Um, and then you'd probably back them to be win the final. So yeah, good luck, Samoa. I would like you to lose that first game, if only for that quarterfinal, which would be a It'd be interesting. That's really interesting as well. I did see you know Australia, New Zealand will probably end up on the same side of the draw in the finals. So it could we, it could open up a spot for one of these island nations to play in a grand final, which is going to be you know which could be you know very <laughs> could be sensational. Uh, but yeah, we can we can wait and see. Uh, like Mary yeah, said earlier, we, can't wait to the World Cup. Yeah, we haven't we haven't got through Saturday yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was some interesting between uh, between game action as well. Uh, some of the greatest, most elusive pitch invaders I've ever seen, all in the spirit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> good, good job, uh, fans of Samoa, for making running rings around stewards. And um, okay, let's talk about the PNG Commons against Fiji. Uh, Mary, did you see this? Because you, you were on the oh, way back, right? You... No, no, no. I watched this game. Um, and other than the women's origin, this was my favourite game of the weekend. Yeah, same. I absolutely loved it. And I was so impressed by the Kummels. And I think, Carbs, your comment at the start was really key. Basically, the fact that the Kummels had established halfback pairings, I think, really was the difference. No disrespect, no disrespect to Kevin Nangama at all, but he typically doesn't play in the halves, and I think it showed. Yeah, do you want to, do you know who their other halfback was? 
he did kick some goals. He's called Natua Massima, and he plays for the West Magpies um, Ramati Cup team. I actually tried to look him up several times during the game. He got different spellings in his name, and yeah. I was like, I've never heard of this bloke before. Yeah. Um, and it, he was all right. I don't think he was too too bad. But yeah, he actually the la- the earliest game I could find, he was playing for the Norellan Jets in Macarthur League, um, which is I guess I don't know. That's like the highest level of country footy, I think. Yeah. But um, he, was he did play. A, I was thinking, well, if they'd have had the Silk Tails, they'd have done really well. But then actually, he played for the West Magpies, and they beat, beat the Silk Tails. But then he played for the other team. So you know, maybe he's um, maybe he's better than the average Romati Cup player. But he, yeah, Romati Cup player against he, he, national team is not going to go too well. He was okay. Even their hooker, uh, Tagitama uh, Tui Mua, he has a lot of good shape about him. He just looks like a real like he he gets the ball off the ground fast. He get he hits the man every time. I think he was okay, and but but the player for ex silk tail, another ex silk tail. That's right. The player I want to talk about for for Fiji was uh, Torova, the fullback. Where the hell have the Panthers been hiding this bloke, and why isn't he in the NRL yet? He's sensational. Do you know he's a weird one because I so I've seen the Panthers New South Wales Cup team play about well four or five times this year, right? And at no point have I gone this fullback's amazing. Whereas. Um, you remember from the origin there's a guy called Kurt Falls who mm. played at halfback in that game who used to play he was the, the school halfback partner of Nathan Cleary and I'd seen them and go oh this number seven they've got he's really good like he's gonna he'll make you know if only he wasn't sat behind Nathan, Nathan Cleary I'm sure he'd get a gig um, but I was amazed yeah he was so good so elusive such a good step and one of these guys he actually reminded what he reminded me of was when um, Morgan Escaré first came into Super League and was just this sort of slightly smaller body, but nobody could tackle him. Yeah, it was sensational. But let's talk about PNG because this, for me, was the upset of the round. We knew it was going to be the closest game of the weekend, uh, and we weren't wrong. Um, but I thought it would go the other way. And for me, I just thought Fiji on paper, more NRL talent, it's going to happen. Mike, you you were right. You said you know the Hunters' connection would do it. Um, Justin Ollum is the best center in the world, hands down. Some of the things he did, centers don't normally do. That little that little kick for Lockie Lamb's try was incredible. Um, it was it was just a thing of beauty. I could watch it over and over again on repeat. Um, but two questions I have for for both of you. Um, number one, why is David Mead retiring from international footy? Like, can't he just make it to the World Cup? <laughs> And number two, is Lockie Lamb the best Kummel's halfback since Adrian Lamb? Again, you've been unfair about Watson, boys. <laughs> well, I was going to say the first question, I don't know. I really don't. And I think everyone wants David Mead to hold on to the World Cup. Um, I find that really baffling. No, no, no. He said, so he said in the press conference afterwards, because this was obviously was put to him, like, what, why are you doing this, mate? You can still cut, cut it. And he said that in 2008, when he had made his debut, which is ages ago, he, um, you know, he needed that experience. And he, he basically said, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you know, he owed his life to the Kummers. They gave him, because they gave him the chance to play, which got him signed to the Titans, which then made him an NRL player and then Super League player and then blah, blah, blah. And now he's a legend. But he was basically saying that he wanted another, a young player to have yeah. the place that he would take. That was what his logic was. He said he's given everything to the Commons, the Commons gave everything to him, and then it should be someone else's goal, which is very noble of him. And again, it's the sort of thing you would never hear in club footy or yeah. you never hear someone, you never hear, you know, 
40-year-old Paul Gallen or whatever go, I think it's somebody else should have a crack for New South Wales. Well, there was a, a stat in no. commentary that he was the only player left in the NRL who played at that 2008 World Cup, which I thought was astonishing. So he certainly mm. had his time to shine, and the fact that he wants to hand it over to a younger player, he said there's a lot of young talent there. Um, and I, I just think that's very admirable. But, man, I, I would love to see him go around just one more time. And I even asked him, I'm like, why, why won't you do it? He's like, man, even if even if the Queen herself um, asked me to play, I wouldn't play. So, yeah, David Mead, he's made his mind up. He's made his mind up. Um, <laughs> so, so That was terrible. That was terrible. That's so bad. Yeah. So, we'll keep that so in, though. Do you want some good, there was some good stats about this game, which kind of told the story, which was, I think... Uh, Fiji only had two line breaks in the whole game. Yeah. Um, one of which was when Kyle Label fell in front of Mike Acevo, like he literally slipped. So it wasn't, you know, it, it, I'm not saying he would have tackled him because, you know, he did as good a job on um, Billy Hammy Kiko as I think I've seen, ever seen anybody do. Um, you know, Amani's made a career of running at little halfbacks and running straight over the top of him, couldn't get over Kyle Labour. Um, but yeah, he slipped in front of Steve. That was one of them. And then the other one was the last try, which was after the siren had gone, mm. um, which was, I think, Kikau maybe got through. But, you know, that tells the story, doesn't it? They, they, even with all their outside back and, and, and forward talent, they couldn't make a line break. Yeah, which that's crazy. They don't have, didn't have any, much of a spine. And that they scored three tries, all of which were off kick. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're relying... If you're getting your points from Kevin Nangama and Tane Milne kicking, you probably won't get that many points. But, I mean, Pete, um, Kummel's defense was great, and it's probably, again, like you said last week, Mike, it's that Hunter's connection. They play together every week. And, that's, that, and the coach. You, we probably saw that, and the coach, yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's you know, I'm not too surprised by that stat. Yeah, they were, um, the the obviously, the players, like, I mean, uh, can we settle this debate now, by the way? Anyone who says there isn't enough talent to go around in the NRL and then looks at Mackenzie Yeah and Nixon Putt, who've never played a game of NRL, and goes, those guys couldn't play, is... I was, I was about okay. to shout out Mackenzie Yeh. He, I mean, we know um, the Dolphins are grabbing a couple of troll and train contract players from the Hunters next year. Can can we just make Mackenzie Yeh one of them right now? He was one of my favourites on the field. That that crash over the... over He crashed over about four players to score a try what a battering ram loved every second of that one yeah if you imagine a try scored by the png cummels in your head i think that one was, yeah. it. It was like <laughs> I, i'm not gonna you know what is the shortest i think i wrote in my rush was it was the shortest route between a and b is a straight line and anybody else can just get out of the way <laughs> that is, it was unbelievable and the, can i say as well the i don't know if this would have been as visible on tv but on the side, there was two whole blocks. One was all Fijians and one was all um, PNG fans. And it was going, absolutely going crazy. And the when Mead scores his try, which sort of sealed the game, I've never seen celebrating like that in an NRL game. Like, it doesn't happen. That's how you see, you know, that's like all have scored a drop goal to win the game against Rovers levels of celebrating. Yeah. Just, you know, I don't know if it's people are more reserved in the NRL or, you know, everyone's a little bit more cool or whatever. They were going nuts. Absolutely nuts. And that's, you know, you can see how much it means. A thousand percent, man. And like I said, 24 to 14, it probably should have been like 24, 22. Like it was that tight. Um, it, it would have, it would have, it would have been, been great. But um, such a beautiful way to end what could be our last uh, international 
mid-season round for a while at least. Yeah, and I have to shout out as well, obviously, a friend of the podcast. She's appeared on the video, Bears with Brownie version. Um, Joanna <laughs> Lester, who's the media manager for PNG Court. Every time they scored a try, I was just looking down and Joanna was losing her mind on the touchline. It was, um, yeah, very always very happy for her because she's put so much good work in the PNG Rugby League over the years. Go, John. And was very, um, yeah, we love that. Um, did anyone see Lebanon v Malta? I saw bits and pieces of it. I must admit, Obi-Wan Kenobi came out that night and I'm as big a Star Wars fan as I am a rugby league fan and I had to watch it. So I apologize, rugby league fans, but I was watching Kenobi and I should release a podcast about that as well. I went to yoga instead. Sorry, everyone. I, you know, I, I, it's Wednesday is, is one of my days off and having spent, um, yeah, I didn't think it was a problem necessarily appropriate for me to spend my days off watching more rugby league. I'm sure that wouldn't go down particularly well in my relationship. So. Can, I, can I say, though, great work to, um, I believe it was Coach Chica from Lebanon who pulled some strings to get that match televised on KO. It was a freebie as well. So even normally, for any of our international listeners, KO is like a sports streaming service, which is um, pretty much tied up with Foxtel, uh, Fox Sports. Um, and this match was a freebie on KO, so you didn't have to be subscribed to KO to be able to watch it, and for a game of that calibre to be streamed on KO, uh, I don't think it's... Uh, we haven't really seen it before. Um, it would have been a, a nice little audience, and I think many more would have watched it um, if they knew about it and they didn't have yoga or have you know girlfriends who would kill them for watching rugby league every single night of the week. So it was, um, it was phenomenal to see and well done to all involved. Yeah. Brilliant. And, um, there was some good play. Yeah, I've, I've, having read, there was one report, I think in the Lebanese paper, um, which I, you know, I, I was writing a thing about it today to see who went for Lebanon and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of names that I recognize from New South Wales cup. Obviously yep. they didn't have the, um, yeah, the at time of recording last week, we didn't know at all who would be playing for them. Um, but there was, uh, one of is a part of Eli, Eli, uh, Eli El Dachem, who plays for Parramatta. He's a good player. He played. And um, Bilal Mazavi, who was played, I think he's in the, he was in the Manly system. He's the confusingly named Black Town Worker Seagulls from, <laughs> you know, the sea where there is no sea, coming to the northern beaches where <laughs> there is no workers. Um, <laughs> We sh- yeah, mate. We should have got. This is where we needed Big T, because um, he was actually he there. Went. Yeah, he, he was actually there. Yeah. So you know, Big T, you know, we want you. Let we need you back. Down. Yeah, let get back now. Nah. Correspondent Big T. <laughs> <laughs> he actually went to. He went to the 19th game as well. I mean, he um, yeah, he then declined declined the ability to appear on this podcast. Anyway, to finish, we've been on for over an hour. We should finish. We should finish with. I would like you to name me your moment of. It can be anything from Lebanon v Malta to, well, we don't talk about men's origin, to Saturday night at Campbelltown. Give me your moment, Mary Kay. Not on the field. It can be anything. Oh. What is it? Do you know what? I'm going to shout out to all the kids that hung around after the Women's State of Origin game, boys and girls, waiting for the players. And the players hanging around to see them all. I loved it. Nice. Um, and Kira uh, Dibbs try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I called up Prime, Prime Lockyer. And I, I, after the 
purposes of the Chasing Kangaroos audience, I will explain what I mean by that. A, Dan Lockyer is my favourite favorite player of all time. But also, it was exactly the sort of try he used to score against Great Britain. Mm. And it would be one of them, you go, why didn't you just fucking tackle him? But he, he just couldn't. He, like, he, he, the dummy was so good that you, it looked so easy. You think, well, why didn't you just tackle him? But it's not, obviously, it's a bit more to it than that. Anyway. There was one at Elland Road, I think, in a game we got absolutely thrashed and Darren Lockyer scored a try like that in about 2008 or something. Anyway. My my moment was uh, aside from all the harkers and and prayers and things like that, but just PNG in general. You know, I, I saw somewhere mm. on on Twitter it was uh, I was completely prepared to die for for Tonga tonight, but I ended up dying for PNG. Um, great to see their every rugby league international rugby league fans second side if they're not your first, and um, it was just beautiful to see them get up in a game that I did not expect them to win. And it gives me some hope for them at this World Cup that they can, you know, maybe pull off an upset or two. Do you know, you've, I'm actually going to go, my fi- the final moment for me of the whole week um, was probably the, my standout moment because it kind of gives you what Re- International Rugby League is about. And I did try, I put this on Twitter, so it's no surprise if anyone follows me on Twitter. But be waiting, one of the things you do as a journalist, you wait around the sheds and you go and talk to the media manager and say, can I speak to blah, 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 and they go and say yay or nay. Anyway, I was waiting for Justin Ollum, and um, it took ages to wait. We were all freezing in the bowels of Campbelltown Stadium, and suddenly the Fijians start singing on their side. Oh, and it's yeah. deafening. And then on the other side, the Kumuls start singing, and we're just, me and... Um, Campo from the, from ABC and a couple other people were just walking around. Alicia Newton from NRL, just looking around, going, "How good is this?" Like, and there were it, we were just stood directly in the middle of these people doing their own thing, you know, just singing their own songs with each other. And yet, you know, the Fijians who just lost, obviously they'd done the the sort of uh, singing circle in the middle of the pitch with each other, which I I told somebody about before, and I was very happy they did because it's such a beautiful moment. And um, you know, it shows exactly the sort of the stuff that the National Rugby League and Rugby League in general is about. You know, you're not 10 shades of shite at each other for the 80 minutes and then you're mates again. Um, but yeah, and then being there where the two sides are singing their own, having their own cultural moment for their own purposes, no, you know, no cameras, no nothing. Just us being listening to it going, how good is this? So yeah, that was very, very nice. And it later turned out, I asked Joe Lester and he said that the Cummels were also singing the hymn. I did, obviously, I don't speak. Um, any of the many languages any of the 800 languages yeah look I I, it was beautiful good crowd like 10,000 was a decent crowd there and I I sort of that's what exactly what I expected there but um I'd love to see those matches taken to the islands or to Port Moresby um in the future and I, I think there's definitely an appetite and and speaking of appetite there was a lot of positivity for international rugby league this weekend um it was fantastic to see it was everyone I spoke to was talking about it. It was all over Twitter and the social medias. Like the 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 hunger for international rugby league is there. It reminds me of why we do what we do uh, with this podcast in particular. Um, it, it was just amazing to see. And I I have to wonder, you know, have the powers that be at Channel Nine who are uh, you know have have sort of cancelled mid mid season rep rounds uh, for the foreseeable future. And do the NRL understand the the power that they could potentially unleash here? That at the tip of their fingers, they don't have to do very much. They've got a wonderful product here, and I just hope that after this weekend, they've finally seen what we could have available to us as a sport 
if we can nurture it a little bit and um and give it give it the attention that it deserves and i think we should we should say that the same thing's true of women's origin as well with the of course one game that was such a good game and i haven't seen the viewing figures but i imagine they were very very good because they always are and say well you know that thing that you do once that's really good and that you pay them for any chance you could do that three times and pay them three times but they're doing it twice aren't they which is a strange one but now oh it's year. nonsensical yeah <laughs> players think it's nonsensical as well they really do my understanding is that now new south wales win one game it doesn't matter how much they lose the second bye they retain the shield really that's yeah um Kylie Hilda said this, and somebody asked her the question in the press conference afterwards, and said, "You know what? Um, you know, you only need to win one game next year." And she was like, "I mean, we're going to try and win two. Like, <laughs> as if it was such a. I don't know if it was. It wasn't really a stupid question because it, obviously, it is a relevant question. But she was. Um, you could tell she wasn't happy about it. She was wasn't happy that it, that was a something that could be possible. Maybe." Maybe I was wrong about uh, people noticing and realizing and doing the right thing from now on. But uh, anyway, look, it was a very positive weekend. We've got an incredible World Cup to look forward to. And uh, look, International Rugby League's back, baby, in a big way. <laughs> and so is Women's Rugby League as yeah. well, Women's Origin. So uh, sensational, guys. Um, thanks for doing this again with me this week. I'm going to miss you guys next week. Can you, stop ending the, can you stop ending the podcast cards? I'm the host here. Do you have any... Oh, sorry. Is there more to say? I'm happy to go on for another half an hour. Is there more to say? <laughs> uh, no, there's no... I'm just like, get out of my... Get out of my... Stay in your lane. I think I'm afraid. Um, no. Um, what do you say? Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me? I don't know. Anyway, we will reconvene. Um, there'll, be, there'll be more. There'll be World Cup stuff coming, I'm sure, and other grassroots sport as well from around the world. Um, so, yeah. Keep it up. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. Keep it up. Far out. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, See you guys. Up.